Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Welcome to Become More Studios. I'm Carmen. Let me introduce you to Tammy and Scott. I'm Tammy. (laughs) I think I'm Scott. (laughs) He's not sure this morning. I haven't decided yet. Ooh. Is there somebody else that you'd like to be, Scott? Nah, I'm good. You know, it's a uh, multiple personality syndrome, just, you know, to yeah. say he's decided to be Scott, but who knows tomorrow. Everyone calls me Scott. It's just the mood I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> is it the Dexter Scott or is yeah. it some other yeah. Scott? <laughs> yeah. there, there, there's some classification, subclassifications under Scott that usually goes with it. It's true. And do any of them have different names? No, it's just, it's just easier to say Scott. Then you don't get tagged, Carmen. You don't get tagged as a multiple personalist. Is it you're, you can fly under the radar yeah. just a yeah. little bit better. Got it. Yeah. Got it. We won't, we won't put him in a straight jacket. And send yeah. I mean, you don't even have the benefit of having a formal name and an informal name. Tammy can be Tamara. Yeah. Other, other than it's Tamara. So that's why it's Tammy, because no one can say my proper name, Tamara, which I really, really like. However, no one pronounces it right. And you don't want to correct them all the time. So Tammy just becomes easy. I've been thinking lately about former jobs and what inspired me to move on from a job. One of our previous podcasts is about bad bosses. My first job after school, after college, I had a an okay boss. He was probably the right boss for me at the moment. But after I had worked for him for a couple of years, I brought him something one day for him to approve. That, that was our deal, uh, something I had written. And he questioned the word pervasive. It was something I had written, you know, in this piece. And he was like, I don't know that this is quite the right word. Did you mean persuasive? And I was like, "Mm, no, pervasive is kind of what I meant, but there might be a better word. I'll go, I'll go think about this. I took it back to my office. And um, as, as I looked at it, I was like, no, pervasive is kind of the perfect word for what I'm trying to say here. It's it's exactly the right word. And he even said that he had looked it up in the dictionary and he wasn't sure if I had, you know, if it was right. And that was when I decided that I had probably learned everything I could from this man. And it was, it was time. I mean, I wasn't angry about it. It was, you know, like, but it was kind of the wake up call for me that was like, if you want to keep growing professionally, you need to find a boss with a bigger vocabulary. So my question for each of you today is... So is the question you're going to ask us, have you ever left a job because you're a word snob? Or are you going to ask us how big is our vocabulary? (laughs) 
Well, I've been leading up to that. Thank you for seeing. Where it goes. I'm screwed. <laughs> what's, the, what's the biggest word that you know? In fact, and I can't even say it. <laughs> as a final twist on that story, when I was interviewing, I interviewed with a, a guy who literally used the word pervasive in our interview talk. And he did not hire me, but he sent me on to a friend of his who was hiring, who did hire me. I told her that story that Rick had used the word pervasive in, in our interview. And she told him, and the next time we like ran into each other at a professional event or something, he wove that word into our conversation like five times enough that I knew like I was busted that, you know, (laughs) behind my back. So maybe being a word snob was not the thing that inspired you to change jobs. But what was the moment for each of you, any particular job where you knew it's time? It's time to make a change. Armin, I don't think I was as mature as you. (laughs) So I'm actually kind of impressed that you made the decision that I need to learn and grow so that my career continues. I will tell you, my first three career shifts out of college were all about cash. Mm. I never even considered anything other than I was making this much money and it was time for me to make that much money, right? And so um, I actually took my salary and my first job out of college, my next job doubled it. And then the ne- that second job out of college, the next number doubled it. So my first three were all about cash and I never considered anything else. And I had to learn that the hard way, moving from job to job to job because of money is not necessarily a very wise decision. Scott, did you do that? My first job after graduate school, I left after six months because on day one, the manager and one and my peer, they were talking about the bet they have about who was going to find another job first. Oh, wow. Between the two of them? Between the two of them, which by the way, I thought they were kind of joking. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get in on this. And then, you know, a few months later, find out, no, they were they were dead serious, which, by the way, I found the job first and they still owe me a lobster steak dinner. Well, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and anytime I see them, I politely remind them of the lobster steak dinner that they owe me. That's like years ago, Scott. That's like 30 years ago. They still have Many not, years. It, it would have been so much cheaper 30 years ago if they'd taken you out. Right now it's going to yeah. be real expensive. Yeah. And then, so I think, okay, so I moved there and then. And why did you move though? So, I mean, that was one of the bad bosses. (laughs) And so that was really, uh, and I had, you know, had a nice chance to move to to a much larger company. And then I think, okay, I had a number of promotions. All of my moves were a combination of promotion and wage increase. I don't know that I, I can't think of a time when I moved only because of money. Well, I got titles too, but yeah. 
you know, titles weren't important. I was trying to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever move for any other reason? Like Carmen moved because of growth. I mean, she was smart. Did you ever move for any other reason? Uh, no, not that I can think. I mean, moving up, right? I had, I mean, I had career goals. So it was always moving closer to that career, in theory, that career goal. And was there ever a, a time when you're like, I know that I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm watching for my next move. Um, and you're like, and that move better happen in the next three months. because oh, You know, it wasn't that. I would say before, you know, I was at Bridgestone for 20 years or almost 20 years. I really, in my mind, I was retiring from Bridgestone. And then there were a handful of things that happened that just said, mm, nope, not the place I'm going to retire. And a handful of things that happened over a handful of years. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like, you know, three weeks or even three months. Yeah. It was really across probably two and a half or three years that really informed me that, mm, yep. And then I think of the next move, I was a little unsure of. I'd say the move after that was a place I thought I would retire from. And again, experiences said, no, nah, that's not the place. Scott, I think you were a lot smarter than I was too. So this is so interesting because I'm hearing both of you. When I took a job, it never in my head was, I'm going to be here forever. And... I stayed too long in almost all of my jobs. Mm. If you look at it, I would bet 90 to 95% of my jobs, I did not leave when it would have been smart. So Carmen, like you're saying, hey, I've learned enough. I was not wise enough. I would stay and I try to make things work that weren't working anymore. And I was the kind of person who would hold on. And oftentimes I left and it wasn't under the best circumstances because I was mad or angry or they were mad or angry at me. And honestly, I think that that wisdom that both of you are talking about is something that I struggled with to know when is the time to leave and how can I do that in a way that is best for me as well as the organization? I think that's a really hard thing for many people to recognize that this is the right time for me to exit and there is going to be the next opportunity, whether it is the promotion internally in an organization or to find the next organization that is going to help me continue to reach my potential. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it like that. Part of that, I really wonder if a piece of this is the job market is is so much different now. Because I mean, when I think of okay, yeah, I was really entering the professional workforce in the early '90s. You didn't have this massive choice, hundreds and hundreds of choices. My first job out of graduate school, when I just, when Beth and I decided, yeah, it's time to change. We need to look for something new. Some of that was financial, right? We had just bought a house. We had first baby on the way. And 
we were making ends meet, but you know, it's struggling new family, like many, like everyone. I had four job offers. Wow, Scott, that's a lot. And so it's like, but it's what do you do? Just, I mean, yeah, it is me. <laughs> it is Scott. <laughs> many of us don't get four job offers when we start looking. Yeah, so I looked and I, I was interviewing, and within the span of a week, I had four job offers. Wow. And it was like, well, what do you do? And it really, at that time, it was about the money because it was about, hey, this was going to pay, you know, I think it was like a thousand dollars more a month in the early nineties is everything a lot. It's a lot. I still believe it was the right choice. I mean, I, you know, that was when I moved to, to Bridgestone and it was, it was great. And then you think, okay, making a move now is a lot easier than even 10 years ago. I was going to say the way that the world, I mean, obviously this is an employee market, not an employer market. And so that is one of the gifts that if folks are like in this spot, one, don't think you're stuck, right? You know, I'm not sure I ever thought I was stuck, but it never occurred to me that I should make a change. I was working at making what I had work. That's where my brain went. But if you have worked at making it work and it is not, I do think in all honesty, you should know that you have tons of choices. And then like Carmen, if you're really smart, you're like, it's not even making it work anymore. It's, hey, there's the next opportunity that another organization, another boss is going to expand my my ability to grow, my potential in that particular spot. I'm going to have a different perspective, a different set of human beings to work with, another boss. And all that does is show you how broad the world is in that space. And I love, Carmen, that you were smart enough to do that in your 20s. I mean, that's super impressive. I was not anywhere near that. Either that or that's how I can tell myself the story now, 30 years later. But if we think about it, and let's set aside the market, yeah. Okay, whether it's an employer market or employee market, what are the signs that it's time to start looking? I will tell you, I think for me now where I'm at, is recognizing the time period when you are bored, okay, or in status quo. You have not grown for a while. You're not having that thing where you're pushing to try to figure something out that is extending your capabilities, your skill set, your thinking. So for me, you know, I'm stagnant. I'm stuck in status quo. That's one of the Mm -hmm. Uh, reasons to leave. So that one's harder for me because not everyone is wired that way. I know. I'm thinking, okay, what would be a general one? I overheard a conversation where there was, and it was really hard for me not to interject my perspective. And there was a group of guys and they were talking about that uh, companies basically take advantage of people. and you know, do all these things and one does computer programming and said in any given week, probably has to maybe write so many lines of code and really is not, really isn't working that hard, including he sometimes has to do a repetitive task 
And he there's software on his computer that clocked how long it takes to do it the first few times. And it took him 20 hours. Well, he wrote some code that now automates it. So he gets 20 hours of credit. And the code does the job, including he has some code or he has a mechanical device that moves his mouse to show that his computer is active. If you find yourself in that scenario, sounds like it's time to go. Yeah, that's bored out, right? We talk about burnout. So fascinating. You're talking about bored out. Right. Their conversation was in their mind. That was perfectly acceptable. I couldn't stand. I'd be looking at the clock. I can't stand not being productive. That would drive me crazy. He's setting his computer to do all this stuff. And he's at the bar or (laughs) it's at the tennis court or gaming or whatever. Like this is in his world this is perfect because i'm working and getting paid but i'm not sitting here bored i'm out doing what i really want to be doing where my mind went why that to me is a trigger is because i suspect sometime in the next two to five years the pendulum is going to swing and it's not going to be an employee market it's going to be an employer market And those individuals who haven't grown, who haven't done those, because they were talking, they were justifying that, well, I'm being taken advantage of, therefore, I'm going to take advantage of my It was like, wow, how, it was hard. I still don't understand. How does someone get to that perspective? Again, I'm going to take us a little bit off track here, but I'm going to talk about Carla, who is my college roommate and my best long-term friend. Carla died when she was 52 in a tremendous loss, but in the process of her passing, she and I had a lot of conversation about the fact that she did not reach her potential. And the fact that she honestly wanted to do more and be more, but now it was too late. And I think sometimes people don't recognize that, yeah, you can go ahead and, and do as little as possible and not grow and you're getting paid and you're thinking this is great and justifying and all that kind of stuff. And you're not going to be happy with yourself later. That was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life is talking to someone who is terminally ill and them saying, I have so many regrets because I wasted so much time. And so that gentleman, what's going to happen when they do not become the person that they could have become? Are they going to recognize it and are they going to know? You know, I am not wired like that. And thing even about staying was I'm trying to make this the best that I can. What's my growth experience in that? It's amazing to me that people don't think that way and are satisfied with that. That doesn't make sense to my brain. Carmen, what's yours? You know, I think there's the piece we've sort of all been saying in different ways. There's an opportunity to just keep getting better or richer in what you know and can do. I think there's also a piece that's like when you really can't find the good things in your day or whether that's in your coworkers or your boss or your tasks or your customers, when it's 
all a drag. And I don't just mean like a hard day or a challenging job, but you just really can't find anything good about it. Then I hope you go find something that brings a little more soul into your life. Yeah. That dreading every day when you're waking up and you're like, gosh, I I wish I didn't have to go to work today. And that becomes the mantra in your head day after day, week after week, month after month. At that point, you're not going to bring your best. I will tell you the other one, and this happens in organizations a lot. It's when you know that you can do more, but your boss or your organization has put you in a box and they're not giving you the opportunity to step out of this is how we see you. This is how we think you add value. And that's all. And in that spot, when you have that inside desire and you're like, wait a minute, I have conquered this box and I get the fact that I'm really good at it. And I want the next thing, that next challenge. And I think a lot of times individuals get put in boxes based upon titles, based upon a job description. And they don't see that you have that ability to actually leap over there. And in that space, I think oftentimes you have to go someplace else so that someone will see you as more than the reputation that you have inside of your organization. And that happens sometimes with folks who have stayed in a company, one company, a long time. They don't see you as having the ability to move into that other space, Mm -hmm. right? So you're bored. The organization is not challenging you and giving you the opportunities, right? You are just literally unhappy or you get put in a box. Any other, Scott, Carmen? What is striking me about these examples is it's about a yearning. Mm. And each person's yearning may be a little different. So some people may be like, you know, I'm really comfortable in this spot. What Tammy, you and I would call a box. We're not growing. We're bored out of our minds. We got to go. Some people would say, no, that consistency that I know, I just, I just do this. I chunk this work and and I'm super happy. And I get good at chunking the work. I get I get good at the consistency. It it, It leaves room for me to be a great spouse, partner. Right. And so it almost is this place of if you're not getting that thing that is a reasonable yearning. Reasonable yearning, like, am I being paid a fair wage based on my job and the market around me? Am I growing if I want to grow? Am I able to be a good partner? And, and you know, because some people, they absolutely want to work, you know, their 35 or 40 or whatever number of hours and get the work done and go home and not think about it. So to me is if you're that yearning isn't being satisfied, it's then that probably is a trigger to look at. Is it something I'm doing as an individual that I'm not allowing myself to achieve that yearning? Or is it something going on around me in the workplace and I need to start to consider somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that the other kind of related to what you're saying here is that misalignment of values. Yeah. 
And that's something we talk about a lot when people are in burnout or dissatisfied that at some level, what what they want out of the job is not what it's providing. And, you know, I have a, a nephew that he is just amazing. And he has been with the same company for a long time. And he has recently turned in his resignation. And that company has treated him really well in the past. And they've had a great relationship. And the values of the organization, according to him, seem to be shifting. And he watched and he was paying attention. And, you know, it's been over time. And what he recognized is either the company's values are shifting or my values are shifting. And in that space, that thing says, I am not, I don't feel like it is the right place for me anymore. And I start to get that disconnect and I'm now yearning for something else. And so he made a decision and a tough one to actually, after all of this time, move and do something else. And I do think that when you have that yearning, it's a disconnect with the organization or it's deep inside your soul and you've listened and you're paying attention. It's not a knee jerk reaction in that spot. Then start being thoughtful about what is it that you really want? Don't just jump. What is it that you really want? Take the time to think that through. What is it that you're looking for? And then take the time to go look for that thing and leave when you actually believe that you are going towards something that matches what you're yearning for. And in that spot, you have the best chance of making a good decision of leaving something behind without burning bridges and going towards something, running towards something that you believe is going to satisfy that yearning so that you have the best chance of making that next job, whatever that is, successful. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box, and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.